Three, two, one. Mr. Matt Hammett, thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome, Rob. So, Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a while, and uh, you're out, it's, you're out in the Philadelphia area this weekend. It's that you're telling me. Yeah, speaking of the weekend to remember, uh, family life, marriage conference, and um, so it's kind of three day thing. So Friday through Sunday, um, I speak about six or seven sessions depending on which weekend it, you know i'm out here and another couple actually you know I, I do it by myself sarah doesn't speak with me but um the other couple uh speak together that's out here with me so yeah it's a filled with all kinds of valuable practical information that we get to share mixed with our own stories and it's pretty exciting man i love i love being a part of it i do about four of these a year that's awesome and so you've uh for those for those who don't know, you started off, we'll say, in the music industry. What, let's, for someone hearing you about you for the first time, what's, I guess, give them the background. Where are you coming from? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. So when I was, I, I'm, when I was 16 at Toledo Christian School, which Rob, you know very go, well. Go Eagles. Um, <laughs> we we were classmates. Right. Um, you know, I met met my buddy Chris Roman, and we started this band together called Sanctus Real, and never thought the name or the band would for more than high school um, or we would have found a easier name for sure <laughs> um, but to our surprise things kept growing the songs kept uh, getting kind of hooked into people and doors opened to the point where we signed a record deal very shortly after high school and just hit the road and so from the age of 16 to the age of 36 I um, was a lead singer for Sanctus Real, and it was a cool time in life, man. Just got to tour the world, and uh, in the Christian music market, have you know, like I think it was like eleven number one songs. Wow! Nominated for Grammys and Dove Awards, and fun stuff that just like you kind of dream about when you're, you know, when you're younger. Like you think maybe it could happen, but you never really think it's gonna happen. <laughs> so. Uh, I definitely consider myself very fortunate to have had all those years, when did, seven studio albums, and so it's, it's crazy. When did you realize Sanctus Real was like, hey, I don't have to work at wherever else anymore. Like, I can actually pay a mortgage with this job with Sanctus. Yeah, so, you know, for us, it was really more like probably when I was about 20 years old, so we were a couple years out of high school. And we had signed our record deal in the process of making our first record. And, um, and the, the label put us out on tour. And so we were able to make enough each night at that point to know that, you know, as things grew through our merchandise sales and the small, you know, honorarium we would get for each show actually was enough to pay our bills, to be out on the road and pay a little bit in rent to have apartments. And it was, a uh, Back then, you just made it work, you right. know? So it's like if, if it was just enough to scrape by, you scraped by. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how things change and things like that, but it's all, that when you also probably hit that moment where you're like, hey, that we're, I'm actually a professional musician. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It was really wild. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, pretty crazy the path it's taken. Yeah, and then over the last few years, you kind of changed direction. Yeah, so in two. February of 2016, I played my last show with Sanctus Real. And, you know, I had probably, I mean, there had been a lot of years, honestly, for me that 
I really struggled with the dynamic between family dreams and, and career dreams. Yeah. So those two things for me, you know, and I don't think it's just me, but those two things are at odds for a lot of people. I could see that. And for me, yeah. And, and for me, I was in a place where I felt I couldn't really even continue, um, on the career path that I was on specifically being the lead singer of a band who tours, you know, 125 to 150 shows a year while making albums and doing promo. And he put, put me gone. You know, I, at that point I had four children. Wow. So to, to be gone that much for my wife and kids, you know, a couple hundred days out of the year, just, I think I started realizing like, you know, I couldn't, I can't be good at my job if I don't show up. So how could I be a good father or husband if I, if I don't show up? I think, you know, I realized like I need to show up more and, 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 and be a better dad and husband. I got one shot to do this. My kids are going to grow up right before my eyes. And I want to say that I gave the best I had to them. Um, and, and, you know, I just, man, it's like hard on a marriage and, you know, Sarah too, like is a very like motivated person with lots of dreams and ideas and, dreams for us and dreams for our family and even dreams for projects that we could work on together. And I just couldn't, she'd supported me for 20 years and I just felt like, man, it's time for me to try to do my best to like, you know, champion her and champion my family. And so That's that really led to me stepping away. Yeah, no, I, I can see how that'd be a tough choice, but at some point, like an easy one too, knowing that that's what you had to do. Yeah. You know, it was a little weird there were, there were two things that kind of weighed on me. Um, number one was like, okay, well, what are the guys going to do? Right. Like I was the primary songwriter and singer for the band and kind of the, the face of the band in a way. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like, I mean, the reality of it is that every member is equally valuable when it comes to like being a part of the band. But the truth of it is that, you know, the other guys that they needed to could take, time off or step away and we could have another guitar player and our drummer fill in here and there. But for me, like if I didn't show up, the show didn't go on, you know? Yeah, no, I can and, see how that would and be I, different. I think I did feel that pressure of like, if I step away, what will everybody do? At some point I realized that was kind of just selfish because what that meant was like, I feel like everything revolves around me. And if I, <laughs> you know, it's like just smart, just as capable, just as talented as I am. And, you know, if I'm meant to be going to do this, then that means that they're meant to enter a new season of life that, that I'd be keeping from if I stayed out of obligation. And so it was, I think it was a good thing for all of us in the long run, even though it was a hard process. I can imagine. Um, so that, you know, that was, that was difficult to, for those guys. But also for me, like, man, financially, I've got this job where now I'm on salary. We have royalties. Like, everything's going very stable. And, you know, like, what is, how am I going to make a living for my family? <laughs> so, you know? so you took stability um, and just threw a wrench in it just because that's what. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. So, pretty you're, say, much. so you're saying this is basically a <laughs> really big stability. midlife. This is like a big, really big midlife crisis is what you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, stability. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. Uh, Did you get a sports yeah, car with this? It. I'm just curious. What's that? Did you get a sports car with this or what? No. I, I did not. I did not. But I did buy an RV. So, you know, that, if that counts. 
<laughs> I bought an RV for my family. We just traveled around together. And what I did was I actually ended up booking more events where I was kind of half speaking, part singing. So yeah. I was taking my family with me and talking. It actually worked out really cool because like, I actually found a lot of interest from people to have me come and actually talk about that issue and bring my family with me and say, hey, you know, I made a hard decision for my family. Um, but I could also sing a few songs. I could relate to people in that sense, you know, not, not saying, Oh, look at me, how great I am. But from a very real point of view, just address these tensions that families feel and the ways they struggle and turned into kind of a really actually neat platform. And, um, you know, city just, I did a lot fewer things, but it paid the bills, you know, to be able to, people were, were wanting to have me and come and, 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 uh, speak. And so it really turned into a neat, opportunity that grew from there that's great i'm just i'm i'm basically yeah. seeing that you had your kids carry your gear around is what i'm seeing <laughs> yeah they were just built in roadies you know <laughs> really it's like yeah i got cheaper roadies uh, uh labor laws don't affect uh, kids as much if they're mine <laughs> yeah if it's family bonding it doesn't count right 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 hey, <laughs> hey this, this rv's gas doesn't fill itself yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah. And then well, you guys also moved then to uh, Nashville, right? Yeah. So I never, ever imagined that we'd move to Nashville because for the 20 years that I was with the band, we'd always discussed the possibility of moving, but never did because we were on the road. So we were like, okay, well, our families um, need to be near near their, you know, my parents and like, well, like Sarah, like yeah. all of our wives' parents were around. So. We were like, if we're going to be on the road, we've got to have some stability in terms of like being rooted where family is. Makes sense. But once we, yeah, once I was out of the band and I was home all the time, um, you know, Sarah was kind of like, well, she was asking you to go back on the road some more. These... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like, you're getting all these requests to go to Nashville to, to write music, and you, now you got to like travel again. So if we just move to Nashville, you can be home and go into the studio as much as you need to to write music. Hmm. And it just made sense for us, because at that time, that was really the primary um, thing that I was doing, was writing songs for other people. So, so it worked it, out great. So what was it like moving a, moving a family from Toledo to Nashville? What was like some of the changes just in life from being in a new town? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because it seemed a little intimidating at first, but it actually turned out to be a really amazing thing for us as a family. Um, because, um, we realized just how many, you know, other people like we're homeschooling because we homeschool our kids. Okay. Like there's a huge homeschool community. There's such a massive artist community. Mm -hmm. We just realized like how much we had in common with so many families down there. We also found that because so many people didn't have family that there was opportunity to become like family with each other. Okay. And so we found a really neat connection in the artist community and actually like our kids just did in us, we did so well adjusting um, compared to what we thought, you know, it felt like home. We actually realized how many friends we had over the years of touring that were there. We like never realized like, just how many people we already were close with that were there. And so it was like having built in family already. That's great. No, that's... Yeah, it really wasn't that difficult, surprisingly enough. Oh. We thought it would be hard. 
and now you've moved to Nashville. You're writing more. You're speaking more at marriage events. Are you are you still singing much or writing music for yourself much? Yeah, so that's always like that's like an interesting thing because when I left and I was got a, I, I signed a new publishing deal and I was writing like a hundred songs a year. Um, my publisher also is like a really um, well-known producer in Christian music, and he was like, "Hey man, we've got all these songs, and why don't you make a record?" You know, and so I did, and I made a record, and but it's like weird. I didn't really tour on it, so yeah. like I made it, but like it wasn't like I was in the mode to be out promoting an artist career the way that I had always done it. That was kind of a big adjustment, yeah, um, for me. Um, so yeah, I'm like I, so I I still sing those songs. You know, I'm still writing a lot of songs, mm-hmm. um, and there's just a lot, actually a lot of songs I've even recorded and produced that nobody's ever heard. <laughs> Cause it's just, it's part of me. It's part of what I do. But I actually recently kind of took a break from uh, the co-writing. Cause it just was like, every once in a while you just got to refill the tank. Yeah. So we stepped away a little bit from the writing. And now um, my wife and I actually, I just finished a book coming out with Waterbrook Multnomah, which is the Christian arm of Penguin Random House. It's coming out in February. Okay. Um, kind of based around this whole story. Um, so right now I'm just kind of working on, you know, gearing up to promote that. And then also, um, my wife and I are finishing up a feature length documentary Really? with a couple, yeah, a couple that used to work for NBC. They did about 60 short documentaries for, uh, today and, uh, some other show NBC and they wanted to move into full, full length feature, uh, documentary, uh, work. Oh yeah. So, to reach reach out to them about our idea to do documentary just because we knew them and they said hey well why don't we partner on our first project and so we're working on editing and a cool opportunity with that is that i get to score the entire film musically so oh very cool that's kind of what i'm working on at the moment so what's this documentary on what did you, you guys pick yeah so well it's called bowen's heart okay our son bowen is heart disease and um it actually they were with us for probably seven months shooting our family leading up to a major open heart surgery with Bowen and how that affects a family uh, with a kid with chronic illness moving through, you know, difficult situations like this. And so our, our whole, uh, our aim with it really is to encourage people through the struggles uh, that came out of that for us and continue to come out of that for us and give people a, a really raw look at a family that struggles and how we make it through. Um, so, and, and, and there's, there's a few different really, um, I guess like deeply felt narratives emotionally that run throughout the film and lessons, you know? And mm-hmm. so, but it's also got that documentary feeling where people will actually learn about a disease. They'll learn about heart disease. that will kind of speak to how many kids are affected by heart disease but it also is very cinematic and also has a beautiful story that weaves through it about family and getting close to stories that are hard. And so, um, we're, we're really excited about it. That's incredible. When does that, uh, when's that plan to get released? So we are just finishing it right now. We've self funded at the moment. Um, and we're, we basically, so, um, I've got some friends who are in the film industry that work with Amazon and Netflix and Lionsgate as well. And they've kind of got their eye on it. 
And so as we get into the next phase where we finish editing and get the kind of the second edit here, we'll start playing it for them and getting their feedback and um, they'll start helping us plan as to how we're going to release and distribute it. Oh, that's really cool. So between that and even like the music world, like you were talking about with your, how you didn't really tour with your last album from when you guys started when you were 16 to today, like in like with what iTunes, Spotify, Netflix, Amazon prime, all this, like how's this changed your approach to like music and or even I'd say media. Cause you're, you're not just music anymore. You got books and yeah, it's like, what's, I mean, it's had to change your approach and how you release media and even produce it. Yeah. I kind of had to let go of all of like my learned uh, habits when it came <laughs> to like my mentality on making music, marketing music, uh, the way I even think about the industry or music as a whole, um, both creatively and from a business point of view, you know, cause the, the market's changed so much. And for me, I've really realized that I've always kind of known I've had more aspirations than just to do music, but I felt like, okay, well, this is the way you do it. This is the way you package it. This is the way you release it. And there was just a certain level of, I, I guess I would say, um, you know, it's just learned yeah. when you're in a business like that since the time you're, you know, 20 years old. And so I've just really had to kind of let go of the way things were. And that's actually probably been one of the hardest things I've had to do, but it's been the most rewarding because as I let go of the way it was or my ideas about the thing, way things had to be, um, I'm realizing like I can just create whatever content I want. Huh. And, and, and somehow, it, you know, it's, it's working. It's like um, to be able, you know, to write when I feel inspired to write when it comes to like literary writing or articles that I've been releasing. Or like if I want to write a song, it's like it finds its way when it's meant to. Same with this is documentary. We feel yeah. like we want to make this film. And so it's, it's finding its way. And um, I'm learning that, you know, when you kind of follow um, – you know, where, where you're meant to be creating moment to moment without boundaries, it, it, it works out. It sounds and more so free. Open. Yeah. It's more freeing. It expands my idea of what it means to be a creative person and what my outlets can be for that. I don't, there has to be no limit. Hmm. Yeah, no, I got to imagine, like I said, like forgetting what you know and like to have no limit, it's gotta be, like I said, freeing and also terrifying all in one. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we've been my wife looked at each other a couple times and gone, are we crazy for doing this documentary? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge risk. Right. I mean, we're putting a lot into it. We really are. Without, without like, the guarantee that it's going to pay off beyond being creatively fulfilling <laughs> for us. But we, we believe it will, and we've got enough eyes on it that people are like, okay, yeah, this is just something special here. Well, that's great. Which helps us move forward, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you, and your book coming out in February, It's if I remember you titled it Lead Me. Yeah, so I was trying to avoid calling it Lead Me. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that was our big thing, this real song. But I had written that song out of such a... Uh, uh, a hard place and a real place um, with me and my wife just going through struggles and figuring out how to communicate with each other and grow in our marriage that, um, you know, I, I just, man, it's my story. That's the story. That, that's the heart of that song is the heart 
the genuine heart of my story over the past decade or so of my life and, and even before that. And so in the book, um, it, it's, it's two parts. And mm-hmm. I spent countless hours kind of working this book to seamlessly move between the two parts. And the two parts are this. One is that it's a memoir, um, very vulnerable memoir um, from me being a young boy moving into this dream of music with my friends and then getting married and going on the road and what that, that process and that journey was like and the struggles and the ups and downs of all that. So it's, it's very funny. <laughs> there's some really funny stories in it, but there's also some very like hard stories in it. Um, and then some, some victories too, you know? So I try to share all that in a way that feels like we're just sitting down together at a table and talking as friends. But then I also take the lessons that I've learned and package them into very practical language to help people as they're walking through some of the same struggles. So there's kind of this memoir voice and this teaching voice per se. And we worked very hard to kind of seamlessly work the two together throughout the book. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it or at least getting my hands on the audio book, one or the other. Yeah, man, totally. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can always send you a copy too. I, I would appreciate that. And then, so I, I do have to ask then if it was up to you completely, what would you, besides leave me, what would you have uh, titled the book? Well, <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> I couldn't find the title and I was looking forever and everything I threw out, either I loved it and my publisher hated it or <laughs> my, my publisher loved it and I, or whatever. Like yeah. I, they, they loved it. I liked, I didn't vice versa. <laughs> I liked it. Sarah didn't vice versa. And so it was like, I think at the end of the day, they just said, Hey, look, you should call this thing. Lead me. We all know that that's what this is about. <laughs> so like, so like people know this song. You have one chance to write this book. <laughs> The next book you can be more creative on. Okay, okay, all right. I was like, I surrender. (laughs) The next book you can be more creative on the title. Yeah, sorry about the noise in the background there. I'm actually, I'm actually near a parking garage because for some reason in my hotel the service is horrible. Oh yeah, it happens a lot in hotels, doesn't it? Yeah, no. So sorry if you uh, hear a little bit of noise in the background there. (laughs) That's okay. Now I get okay. So then, so who do you guys? Is it? What's your uh, nationwide carrier that helps you get service most of the time? Who do you yeah. trust? Yeah, well, I have Verizon now. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, come on, Verizon. <laughs> step it up, guys. So, okay, so here's a – okay, we'll start going into the marriage advice. So here's the first thing my uh, fiancé yeah. and I have uh, to debate about. And I have T-Mobile. She has Verizon. And so when these two organizations merge, we feel like these accounts should merge. And which – which carrier will win? So when oh I, my goodness, I know, right? And so when we've traveled around, <laughs> uh, we we check our service like against each other. So I took her out to see my family in North Carolina. We went to the beach, and uh, I had no service with T-Mobile, and Verizon worked for her. So it was like, okay, you win that one. Then in Sedona, her family has a home out there in Arizona, and. I kid you not, a block away from we, there, from the house, great service. But in the house, it was a dead zone with T-Mobile. It was unreal. Mm, like, interesting. I'd walk outside the house to kind of like what you're doing, perfectly fine. So I, I blame the vortexes in Sedona for that. Um, and then we went to middle of nowhere, Elk, California. And she had obviously seen it with Verizon there in Sedona. And then we go to Elk, California for one of our cousin's wedding a couple weeks ago. 
We were warned, like, there won't be cell signal. <laughs> T-Mobile came through for me. I'm like, ha-ha, take that, Verizon. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> so, I'm there checking like that. I love how much thought you. I love how much thought you've given this, and I have not given it any. Oh, see, <laughs> I love it. See, the, I, I love that you're like enlightening me. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? This is actually a really interesting conversation. <laughs> see, welcome, welcome to my world, and what Samantha's getting herself into. <laughs> And she also wanted me to make sure she said hi to you. I can't remember if you've met her for any reason when you were out here yet. I can't. Awesome. Well, hello, Samantha, wherever you are out there. Okay. <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. So, yeah. So then what was the other, the where we merge our those accounts? And, well, see, I also live, because you've been to by where I live. I live right. Yeah. I live uh, about a quarter mile south of a Target and Chick-fil-A. So we joke that yep. she's using me for Target and Chick-fil-A, and I use her for her Netflix account. So that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know with this T-Mobile Verizon thing, man. I don't know. I think Verizon might have better coverage, but I agree that it's like I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know anymore, man. It's so close. I travel so much, and I had so many problems with AT&T when when I had that, and then in the places where I had, you know, good AT&T service, I have poor Verizon service now. So uh, I, I've, I'm I'm losing my faith in all of it, man. I'm just glad they're merging uh, so they can actually like take their coverage and, and, and make one better service. <laughs> right. And the 5G, it just won't work that much quicker. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I love that my phone's going to say 5G, but I still won't be able to load my email, my hotel room, right. you know? How is frustrating? They're like, I have all the bars and nothing is going through. <laughs> all the bars and no email. Right? I'm like, and it's like, and it's all junk email, but I want to see my junk email. That's a, so. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I want to see what I'm getting yeah, for Kohl's this month. Come on. <laughs> so funny. So, um, so the other thing that just happened in life, um, I, I'm not too far behind you, but it just happened for me, is hitting the big four zero in life. Because your birthday was what in October? Yeah. Was it October September? Am I wrong? Do I have? Yeah, October nineteenth. Okay, and so yeah, I'm just a, right. I'm a month behind you here because so you, you're forty now, right? Or am I not supposed to say that? Are you supposed to? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, no. Oh heck yeah, man. I'm 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 proud of the big four L. You're proud of it. Yep, I'm forty. Oh. I'm proud of it, man. You know, I'm, I'm I'm telling you, in the work that I do now, primarily I get asked to do to speak at marriage conferences, men's conferences, and other things like that. And the older I am, the more seriously people take me. So hey, I'm freaking out. It's That's... like credentials for me. Like what rights do you have to tell me about? marriage i'm like hey i'm 40 oh okay I know a, li- a few things i know a few things <laughs> yeah no my first question was like how many kids do you have when you'd say four i'm like okay i'll, I'll listen to you. you it seems like you're doing something right <laughs> yeah i actually have a teenager now that's crazy oh yeah i can't yeah, wild when i coached basketball i'm like i would just you know you do the math like i don't think like i was a single guy coaching high school you know varsity basketball also you start looking around like uh these parents are my age or younger yeah Exactly. And there's that. Yep, you're like, well, I, you're like, I better get on it. <laughs> right. I was just really patient. And so I'll give you some, like, so Samantha, like I met her at church when I first moved out here to Denver five, six years ago now. Well, it's about six years, almost to the, yeah, six years. It'll be in December. It seems like a, it's amazing. I've been out here this long. Longest I've been in one place, especially in one like condo or apartment. So some stability out here now, which is probably why I'm more attractive to the ladies, Samantha. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, right? And so I met her, and I didn't, like, I'm pretty, uh, st- I don't say stubborn is the right word, but. 
how to put it nicely. I'm not observant. How about that? She might, she, she might just say stubborn. Yeah, she might say that. So <laughs> we met, and apparently she liked me right off the bat. And she tried to throw hints, and I think even her friends threw hints at it, but it just was way over my head. I didn't even, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Do, 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 do. You know, <laughs> didn't even notice. And then, you know, I go to a different church, you know, so I don't see her for a while. And then we reconnect. So we've, and so we've been going out officially for just over a year now. So every time I upset her with something, which it doesn't take much because I'm, it's one of my spiritual gifts, um, is she's <laughs> the spiritual <laughs> gift of upsetting people, <laughs> Oh, especially her, like in that weird way. She's like, that's cute, but I'm upset with you, but that's funny. And, uh, it's, uh, cause like, I'll be the one that tries to give her a hug while she's like trying to write something I'm like, Oh, here's a, Oh wait, sorry for your, Oh, my paper's messed up now. So that's hilarious. And, uh, so it's like, it's, it's innocent fun, but she looks at me like, Oh, and, uh, <laughs> she, every time I upset her, she's like, it took you four years to ask me out four years. Like, so. That's amazing. So and you just got to resign yourself to the fact that that's one of those things you're never going to live down. Never. I can't live it down. I never. Like, I've embraced it. I was like, I was like, I was just making sure. Yeah. Good I, for you. I was like, I was, Good just for do, you. I was just doing my due diligence. <laughs> I love it. So, but yeah, so then I guess, so then life after 40, like, so here's one of the questions I had for you, because you travel, you're traveling less, but you did spend a lot of time on the road. And it came up last time you were in Denver. We talked about it a little bit. It's like, like I, it's hard enough for me to just try to stay in shape and eat right. And I live and work in the same town. And it's like, especially now hitting 40, like there's amazing, it's amazing how things slow down as you're 40. Like, huh. It's oh yeah. The, you know, I usually could go for a run and, and that would go away, but no. Yeah. So like at 40 or as you're getting older, like what are you doing to sort of stay in shape yeah. and stay healthy? Well, I, uh, hey, we got to talk to Verizon here. And what's that? We got to talk to Verizon. I lost you there. Oh, gosh, really? Are, are you, you have me now? I have you now. I can, I can hear you now. Okay, great, 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 great. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> Verizon. Um, we still so, love you, Verizon. You know, if, it's, <laughs> I, I, I used to be involved in a group called F3, you know, that was a men's workout group. We I'd go three times a week. It was a pretty high intensity thing and eating real well. And then I hurt my shoulder. And then like, I started doing more events like on, uh, like with my, even with my family and traveling a little more and all this. And like, just kind of pulled me out of it. So I've been out of the group of working out. Um, but I am, what I have been trying to do, um, is actually, I, I, I eat a lot less. Hmm. that's like been the key for me is like don't eat late eat a lot less and because i realize like the more i eat like it affects my body doesn't it so i am very conscious of, of what i eat okay especially during certain seasons but even at times and like i'm not quite as conscious about heavy eating as healthy it's definitely like the, i've the portion size has made a huge difference for me man like in the way that i feel Huh. It's funny because I always see, I always saw old people like eat like little portions. I know, right? And I, oh. I, I always thought to myself, like, what is that all about? It's so weird. And now I'm like, oh crap, I'm oh. getting old. <laughs> right. I'm I have to eat the small portions. I'm gonna have to just embrace getting old, and I'm because I'm already turning into the get off my yard guy. Yeah. Well, Cameron and his uh, business partner Ryan Higgins on his events. Um, you know, we're doing a small tour next year in okay. the spring. 
he actually bought a um, a, a mobile uh, CrossFit gym. What? <laughs> like kettlebells and and weight bars and like all this stuff to put on the bus. So I, I'm starting now to ramp myself up to try to lose a couple pounds and get in shape again so that when I get back out, I can actually take part in the workout on the road. Yeah, you don't want to get embarrassed in the workout on the road. No, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. He's right. like, yeah, I can't really work out today because I don't feel so good. I ate a lot of fries. Right. Or like, how many push-ups am I supposed to do in a minute? This is weird. <laughs> I got three. Yeah, I want I want to be ready. Right. I'm kind of a little competitive like that, even though I don't think I am. I've admitted finally in my life that I am. My wife's always said, you're competitive. But no, I'm not. I don't care about that stuff. But I'm like, I'm realizing, like, I don't want to be the guy. Like, I want to show up and, like, you know, be awesome at it. Right. Oh, isn't that the truth as guys? I know. I know. Ugh. It's all right, though. If I'm not, I'll just jump in and start where I start and keep on growing. Yeah, no, we were doing, uh, what was it, like last weekend. So Samantha goes to this CrossFit-like gym. And so they're like, you should go, you should go. I'm like, mm, I'm, mm. you know, you're trying to I come up with excuses. Got a bad shoulder. I, I bad, work really hard. Bad, like, I go to, like, another gym, like a 24. I just like working out by myself with my own headphones, and there's that zone-out moment when you can work out by yourself. And then there's also this thing where you're going, there are a lot of women at this gym, and they're, like, you're looking at the weights, like their deadlift records and all these records, and you're like, that's more than oh anything I could do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the crazy part of that whole CrossFit culture. That's a whole culture I, I just don't I don't understand. Like I, I don't have bad feelings toward it. I just am like, I don't have time for that in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot of commitment and I feel it like is. I feel like the wedding planning and the upcoming marriage is enough commitment for me in this season in my life. Yeah, I applaud those people who get up at you know at five AM and do their crossing thing every day, but I just I'm not in that season right now. No, I can understand that. I can understand that. All right, so I'm going to throw it out there then. So for a guy that's out there speaking professionally on this and writing books and has written music about it, I expect some, I mean, like almost some angelic, like, you oh, know, man. some advice to, from the sky. Like, I, I'm extending my arms out, ready to, ready to embrace this incredible <laughs> marriage advice. Way to, way to set me up for success. Right. I love it. <laughs> No matter what I say. It doesn't matter. It's not good enough. No, like, no, no. So, okay. I'm like, I heard I the CrossFit say, guy say the probably, same thing. <laughs> there, there's a couple really simple practical things that actually uh, I'll say. Um, one of those things that – one thing I really love about family life organization that I work with, um, one of the main focuses of what we talk about throughout these entire conferences is this idea that in every single moment, Every word you say, every action you take, um, really throughout any given day, moment by moment, you're making a decision as to whether you're moving closer together or further away. Mm-hmm. So whether you're drifting towards oneness or drifting towards isolation. And so, you know, the aim of what we really try to do to help people is always be taking new steps and giving them practical tools to be able to move closer together, you know, when it, when it comes to conflict and communication. Um, and, and, you know, it's different for men and women. It's complicated. We all know, like, we're such different creatures, and, and we believe that God designed it that way. And so it takes a lot of intentionality and a lot of work uh, to keep moving towards each other when naturally we drift. 
Um, and so, you know, for me, one of the big things I realized personally in that journey is that my intentions are absolutely worthless until they become action. Hmm. And that we have this entire inner dialogue when it comes, especially, you know, and anything in life, but most importantly, when it comes to relationships, we have this dialogue inside of us where we imagine the well-intentioned things that we would like to do to grow our relationship. So for me as a husband, as a father, I imagine the things that I think, I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that. Those inner imaginations and dialogues and good intentions can often actually become the way we perceive ourselves from the inside out. But the problem is that sometimes we have to be willing to see the reality that other people may not see us the same at all from the outside in. Hmm. And so those, that willingness, like so Dr. Henry Cloud, one of my favorite quotes from him, he talks a lot about it. There's actually a lot of different kinds of quotes like this from him, but he talks about having the courage to meet the demands of reality. A lot of people want to run away from hard realities about who they are, about life, about work, about relationships, and keep kind of compartmentalizing or kind of shoving it to the side to move forward uh, unhindered by those realities when, in fact, the most valuable thing we can do is be willing to stop um, when those realities present themselves and take a hard look at ourselves and figure out, you know, who do we perceive ourselves to be and who are we really? And that's one of the most powerful things that, that we can do in our relationships, especially when it comes to marriage, is the willingness not only to see those things in ourselves, but then when we're confronted with areas that are unhealthy or areas that are hurtful about our behavior, even a behavior we don't mean to, you know, mm -hmm. to, to do, um, can we receive that? And that's something I still struggle with. And Sarah comes to me and says, hey, like, this hurt my feelings or... I don't like that you said this thing or did this thing. And my first reaction is, well, I have good intentions. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Well, you know, it, it, that doesn't matter because her reality is different from mine. So can I have the courage to meet the demands of not just reality in general, but her reality, if I'm to move beyond my good intentions and actually love her in a way that's tangible to her? And so I would say for me, man, that's been biggest part of, of the journey and then for women i will say one more thing okay for women i see there's this really simple practical thing that my wife and i both love but i think i think for women it's easy to get wrapped up in in bigger expectations and in marriage and what what is marriage going to do for my heart and fulfill my dreams and make me feel loved and uh there's a lot of dreams around what that romance is going to look like, especially emotionally for women. And so um, there's this, this little thing I saw this guy do one time, and it really, I was awesome. He put his hand up in the air, and he said, these are expectations. He took his other hand, and he put it way down low, and he said, this is reality. And he said, everything in between is disappointment. Oh, wow. And it's okay. It's okay to have realistic expectations in terms of getting fundamental needs met in marriage. But the fact is, there's also a lot of expectations that are not realistic. And if we are to hold our partner 
to that standard of unrealistic expectations, then we continue to live our lives in disappointment. So again, it's facing the demands of reality. What does reality really tell us? And being willing to accept it and embrace it, that we're broken people, that we can't give each other everything we want, and be willing to be patient and loving with each other in the process. I thought that was pretty good, Matt. <laughs> Not quite angelic, but hey, Matt, hey. I, think, I think that's some, some good practical stuff that anybody can take home. Absolutely. And I think in there we found the title for your next book. Intentions, are, intentions are Worthless. Hey, I like that, man. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can get a lot of short stories and in there on that, and I'll take naming rights, and you can put something in there like a cliff note or. <laughs> there you go. You're like, I'm expecting my royalty check in the mail. The whole nickel of it. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna be like, sorry, we do ro- like you- we do royalties by the word, and you got three of them. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, I can put it on my LinkedIn profile though, right? <laughs> There you go. Right. All right. Well, something. Right. I appreciate it. Well, Matt, I appreciate the time you spent while you're walking around King of Prussia area, Philadelphia suburb. And is there anything else before I let you go that you want to share, let people know? I'll put a link to your uh, website in the yeah. description. Yeah. So people can, uh, you know, matthammett.com is my website. Super easy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm just Matt Hammett as well. Two M's, two T's um, in my last name. And then also um, people can pre-order my, my Lead Me book uh, right now, actually. It's available for pre-order. So nice. if you like, you know, like to hear more stories and just practical stuff on life and marriage and manhood. And it's not just for men. It's for everybody. But, you know, it's got a lot of what we just talked about in it. So if you're interested, check it out. Uh, you can find it anywhere you buy books online. That's awesome. I'm excited to see it when the book comes out and we'll make sure everybody knows about it. And, oh, here's another more, you know, kind of off the side question. I keep seeing uh, your brother on Facebook. Yeah. With Planes with, is it Planes oh, yeah. with Purpose? That's right. Yeah. So he's doing, um, well, he was stationed uh, in Bolivia as a missionary pilot, um, you know, flying medical supplies and whatever uh, people doing mission work need in remote areas. Um, but once he moved down to Bolivia, within that first couple of weeks, he moved all of that civil unrest started happening. Oh, and, uh, he, they actually had to evacuate him. Whoa. He couldn't even drive to the airport. They had to take him around all the riots on motorcycles. Uh, each member of his family had to ride on a motorcycle what? with one bag. Yeah. To leave the country. And so, um, if you're the praying type out there, please uh, say a prayer for him and his family because they're trying to figure out what to do. Where are they at right now in the world then? Yeah, so they're actually back in Florida with uh, his wife's mom at, at the moment. Um, okay. But then as soon as they get the green light, they'll go back to Bolivia. Wow. Unreal. Very cool. Well, thanks for the update on him too. So, all right. Yeah. Matt, I appreciate it. Stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. All right, brother. Sounds good. All right, perfect. Thanks. Here, hold on one second, Matt. Thanks for having me, Rob. Glad to.